So I'm Rebecca from um, the Westminster News Society. I'm the vice president and editor, and um, I'm with today with uh, David Morris, um, and he teaches our meditation classes at our university. Um, and I thought it'd be great because there's some events this week on mental health awareness. I thought it'd be good if we could talk about like meditation and mindfulness. Um, yeah, I really love your classes. I think it's every Monday for beginners. Um, and I'd recommend anyone to go because um, you explain it so clearly. And I always feel so relaxed and calm at the end of the session. So I think it's definitely worth going along to one of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you've been meditating for a, for a little while, right? That's... Yes, uh, about a year. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's really helped me to feel less stressed and less anxious in general. So um, it's a really good practice, I think. Um, See, so yeah, I thought we could talk about um, like simple steps to meditate and um, maybe some benefits of meditating and also mindfulness and how we can incorporate mindfulness into our lives and the importance of both meditation and mindfulness um sorry it's a lot to talk about um yeah. uh, anything else you'd like to chat about yeah um yeah do you like yeah. about meditation first or yeah well i guess i could just introduce mm. how the meditation fits into my role at the university so so my my job title is assistant interfaith advisor and so i work in a team that's called interfaith advice or faith and spirituality and um, in other in other settings, other universities and hospitals and places like that, we'd be called chaplains. Mm -hmm. um, so we're here to support the spiritual well-being of the whole community if they if they would like to talk to us about that or and to offer kind of things like meditation classes as part of that. Um, but I also do offer one-to-one uh, -one appointments for pastoral support uh, to students um, and also staff and also sometimes organize other events and we also kind of we're involved with uh, things like um, the policies around religion and, and belief on campus mm. what that means so it's very kind of um, uh, it's it's intersectional work at times as well it's about you know faith identities but it's also about just who we are um and yeah part of what i do within that is to do these meditation classes um which is a part of my work that i really enjoy i feel very very grateful that i get to do that um and um you know meet people we sometimes kind of share some things or explore what meditation is um, which is something I'm very keen to do. So if we can do this, just exploring it a bit as well, um, that would be great. But yeah, where to begin? Mm. So I did, you know, in advance of talking, I guess where it starts for me is, is just relating to the way that my teachers have shown me how to meditate and that guidance which which is how i began um i remember trying to do it myself to try and make up my own version in my teens and i kind of i kind of heard about it but i i just tried to kind of um 
find some way to do this thing. I, I got very interested in Buddhism in my teens and meditations, not only Buddhist, but it's also a very central part of the Buddhist spiritual path. And I bought um, the, the prayer bowls, the, the gongs um, and things like that. And I bought mm. lots of accessories, but didn't really know what meditation actually was. Um, so I think that learning from someone who has some experience mm. uh, passed down from a teacher to them and they can pass that down. That's been, yeah, I'm really glad that I've had the chance to kind of learn from some really good teachers. One of those is, um, she's called Pema Chodron. Um, mm. She's in her mid eighties now. And she's an American woman who became a, a Buddhist nun something like 40 something years ago. Mm. And I, I spent, some time on a long retreat with her just a couple of years ago and um she's kind of a well-known author um she appears on oprah every now and again that kind of thing um and i really like the way she presents meditation it's very earthy it's very down to earth and very practical as well mm. and i actually looked up some quotes so maybe i could just read one and see what you make of of that and so she says, meditation teaches us how to relate to life directly so that we can truly experience the present moment free from conceptual overlay. Mm. If we can train ourselves through meditation to be more open and more accepting towards the wild arc of our experience, if we can lean into the difficulties of life and the ride of our minds, we can become more settled and relaxed amid whatever life brings us. Mm. So in terms of the benefits, I think that it is that you don't change life. Life still brings you trouble. Yes. Um, you know, all sorts of wildness in the mind and emotional experiences. And you kind of can't block those out, however hard. Even if you go and live mm. on top of a mountain in a cave, you're gonna, your mind will still be with you. Yes. So I think meditation gives us a chance to start working differently with our reactions to those experiences is that does that make sense how do you yeah, make, so, yeah I, I completely agree and the thing is about embracing the challenges of life um and also there's like there's like an energy there's like a flow to there's a flow to things um it might not seem like that when there's a challenge but but there is mm. a flow and it's about accepting the challenge and not resisting it if you resist it then there's then there's suffering that's made if you accept and flow with the challenge um it's actually a lot easier <laughs> yeah um, yeah so being being present and um mindful can really help with that um yeah that's yeah. as well what you said really lovely yeah I, I like that one as well that's the idea of relating to life more directly mm. and then she says without conceptual overlay and i think that that might not always make sense but um i think what that means is that when we meditate which is basically sitting still and trying to train the mind to stay in one place and we usually use the breath in my tradition and many others the mind the secular mindfulness tradition and and others so we use the feeling of the breath and we train the mind to to stay present with that feeling and just notice when distractions happen, which are going to happen. And then we just kind of come back. So um, 
how did I get there? Conceptual overlay. That was what I was going to talk about, which is that whilst we're doing that, it's a pretty boring experience to sit there dead still um, and just just staying with the breath. And our minds are so playful and curious and they will look for uh, entertainment of all kinds. Um, also, we have a lot of things going on in our lives that we have to think about to process as well. So when we sit down to meditate, sometimes the first, they say the first stage of mindfulness is realizing how busy the mind is and how much is going on. Postman's just arriving to deliver some post. Um, I thought he might knock, you never know. It might be an unexpected parcel. So yeah, meditation also working with unexpected things that, you know, you might sit down with the idea, I'm gonna have a blissful meditation and you're sitting there and then suddenly, you suddenly realize oh, I'm really angry or I'm really, um, oh, that thing I did is so embarrassing. You know, these things pop up. And what we notice when we're meditating and these things pop up is that there's a small beginning of a thought. We connect with an experience we've had or we daydream about something in the future. And then we notice how our mind then spirals off. Like, oh, this always happens oh, it's probably because I'm not good enough. And we go on this, sometimes I can definitely relate to this, that there's this negative spiral that we can end up really feeling a lot of suffering, like you said. So... It's all created from ourselves, from our mind. It's, <laughs> it's not even yeah. reality a lot of the time. It's uh, our interpretation of it. Um, well, it's like, again, going back to Pema Chodron, she says that meditation doesn't get rid of pain. We experience sometimes even physical discomfort sitting down to meditate, but there are painful things in life and painful experiences. But from that pain, we often create lots of extra suffering. Mm. We drag ourselves through the experience again and again, and it doesn't necessarily help. And when we meditate, sometimes, you know, what you experience is that, you know, lots of discomfort things come up. So we just notice that and realize that that's a very heavy, like that's what she means, I think, by conceptual overlay that can mm -hmm. get in the way of relating with the present moment directly. Yes. Um, yeah. And also- This, make, this yeah. is making it sound quite heavy, I know. Yeah, I, I find, find it so fascinating. I've been reading a lot on them, sort of metaphysics and I've been following spiritual teachers as well, like Eckhart Tolle, so um, I really love talking about this. Um, also, I think conceptual overlay is, um, anything that we sort of meanings that we add um, um, yeah, and all concepts, things like good and bad and right and wrong and all these concepts in the world, we, we sort of forget that they are concepts. And mm. I think in, in meditation, you, you sort of go beyond that illusion and you're just presence and there's, there's no like thinking or you're not adding meaning or interpretation to anything. And I think that's really good to feel that inner peace and that mm. you know, lack of mental noise all the time. Um, yeah. yeah. Gradually, you can. I think this is true, and but it is very gradual that you can experience mm. settling. Sometimes you get really great flashes of it um, where there's a sense of being settled, of not being drawn into lots and lots of storylines mental storylines and that what they say is what we experience there is a quality of our mind that's already there that the natural kind of underlying quality of our minds is kind of clear present and spacious um 
they sometimes compare it to the sky. The Tibetans like to call mm -hmm. it sky-like mind. So there's this idea that we experience all kinds of mental weather, um, but the sky is kind of very vast and the nature of the sky doesn't change just because the weather moves through it. And they say that the more we sit and observe this weather as we meditate, like, oh, I'm thinking about this, come back to the breath. Oh, that's popped up again, come back to the breath. We, we just see these patterns in the, in the sky, in the weather. But we also occasionally get a glimpse of the fact that the sky is just there. It's this big open space and it's kind of accommodating. Some people say it's compassionate as well. So, yeah, another important aspect, actually, I think, is um, what, again, Pema, Pema calls something like open, compassionate attentiveness. So we're being attentive to what we're experiencing here and now, because there are some forms of meditation that are more about achieving some kind of transcendent state or a different kind of mental state. The kind of meditation I'm involved with is, is not that. It's more about being present with whatever's here, not trying to go off into another dimension or anything like that. That actually what's already here is this sense of open spaciousness and there mm. we can find some settling. Um, but there are other kinds as well. I should point that out. This isn't all meditation and, you know, there are meditations from, you know, different traditions around the world, um, uh, shamanic ones, um, you know, the Sufis have, um, have different, different meditative techniques and contemplation in Christian traditions. There's something called centering prayer where they uh, choose um, even just one word or a line from, from the Bible and go into depth on that. There are deep aspects of contemplation in, 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 in Islam, in Judaism, um, all these mystical traditions. Um, anyway, I'm just doing my, um, I studied religions at university. So I definitely have a strong interest in, you know, all these different manifestations of how cultures and traditions have evolved these ways of working with our mind and yes. becoming more present. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's definitely value in every tradition as well and I think that you know we shouldn't see traditions like well one religion is better than the other I think there's there's value in all of them so um yes would you like to talk about maybe steps to meditate or mm. would you like to go into mindfulness some more um steps to meditate so well I think sometimes it's that's why I do the classes is is I'd invite people if they're interested to come and try it basically mm. because just describing it is actually just a lot of conceptual stuff and but what I would say is that um, you don't need to meditate you don't need anything other than somewhere to sit and your own mind that that's literally all you need you don't need any equipment you don't need anybody else you might need to be introduced to the practice by someone but at that point actually you can go and practice meditation and, and bring it into your life and some people prefer that they have a more solitary some people find that doing it in groups is supports their discipline or their intention to show up and make it a part of their lives but yeah so that's one of the most radical things about it is that you don't need to buy anything you don't have to you don't have to take on a new identity uh, it's open to anybody um you can do it 
you know, people of all faiths and none can try it as well. And the way I present it is designed to be open to people of all faiths and none at the university. And the steps are perhaps just a sense of often what brings people to meditation is that they they become curious about the suffering that they experience mental anguish emotional distress and they start to think well somehow my own mind is involved in this the way i react to things my emotional reactions and so on that there's there's a connection here and meditation is one way of exploring that there are many others and in terms of you know student mental health week and things like that the mm. psychotherapeutic traditions offer kind of really incredible ways to begin to look into how we relate to our lives um spiritual paths also offer different ways of doing this um, and secular mindfulness as well which some people like the word spiritual some people don't to me it's it doesn't you know what it is so the steps to meditate would be developing intention and curiosity um pema actually has she talks about five qualities that we cultivate when we meditate and I find them quite helpful and I was rereading them this morning and they are steadfastness, clear seeing, courage, attention and then the fifth one is called no big deal which is an interesting um, <laughs> instead of jumping ahead to that one like coming back to so steadfastness is basically steadfastness could be called loyalty that you're sitting down you're willing just to stay present with whatever comes up and you're kind of being loyal to the present moment you're saying i'm going to try and be loyal to experiencing whatever's arising in the present moment but you're also being loyal to yourself and compassionate to yourself as well so steadfastness is staying present steadfast means to to hold steady to be there um clear seeing is that when meditating um we begin to see all this stuff we've been talking about these storylines and and conceptual overlay and this kind of stuff arising and we begin to notice how some of that kind of limits our life in some way when we get wrapped up in this over and over again and so it's not that we can't just immediately switch a switch. It's not like meditating is not a magic makeover. You know, you, you don't just come in, press a button and everything's fine. It's mm -hmm. a very long, it's a lifelong process, actually. Um, but we did start to see things a bit more clearly. The third step, courage. That's what you said. It's being willing to be present with the discomfort mm. in meditation. And that allows us to extend that into our lives that when we're in difficult circumstances, we maintain a bit more mindfulness and we don't get drawn into sometimes into dramas that we don't want to get involved in. We can start to make better choices mm. about where we want to go and how we want to feel. Um, the fourth is attention, which is just being more aware of what's going on around us. And in meditation, we become aware of the body and the mind. Um, we synchronize body and mind by bringing mind to the breath. And we just notice our reactions. We notice small things. And what I find and is that that can make me more attentive and it increases my power of attention so that when I'm out appreciating something, I can appreciate, you know, a cup of tea 
or I can appreciate a bird that I don't know what bird that was that just made that sound and kind of rather than just being so kind of buried in some sort of inner yes. mental prison and I find that very liberating and it's mm -hmm. it's changed my life mm -hmm. gradually and the fifth one is no big deal and what she means by that is that sometimes when we're meditating we have like really quite wonderful experiences but she says her teacher when she brought one of these magical experiences she had when meditating to him kind of listened to what she had to say and then said no big deal not with aggression but he was kind of she said he was kind of suggesting to her that, that there's no need to turn that into a big deal right because actually we don't we're trying to learn to practice not to cling to what we like and push away what we don't like mm. staying we're becoming uh, we're developing equanimity staying present with whatever treating it all the same actually when we meditate when we're out and about in life that doesn't always kick in you know we react to stuff but so meditation is a practice where we sit still and we try this and then gradually i think it can become more a part of our lives mm. anyway that was a very long i feel like i've been no talking. no that was that was so well explained i love i love those um those points i think that's useful even for people who've been meditating for a long time to remind themselves of that yeah, absolutely um, yeah and yeah the no big deal i like that it's like not being attached to experiences and not not sort of living in the past um mm. embracing all experiences that come to you even if yeah. it's you know not as positive as you would have liked it's still still just a part of what's happening and yeah yeah um, absolutely well put i think but there's a tendency that we want to push away what we don't like and kind of cling on to the good stuff but there is also sometimes experience of powerful insights into the nature of our own mind in some ways meditation we're getting to know our own mind yes we become our own meditation teacher and we start to see things in a different way so there is the possibility for these insights to come up and they can be really wonderful experiences um yeah or we might mm -hmm. connect with sadness and tenderness as well or we might you know feel some emotions start to move and feel them release when we meditate but she's saying try not to make a big deal out of them yes uh, and then just keep doing the practice she says at one point i'm going to look for the quote because i thought it was so good mm. um i think it was something about oh when she said that when you said it's always good to have those reminders um there's another quote i i, I wrote out this morning which was in meditation you never really feel that you did it or that you've ever really arrived um you feel that you just relaxed enough to experience what's always been with you so mm. she's saying that you know even in her 80s doing a lot of meditation in her life um she still says that you never really arrive you can always find ways to settle even more and actually as we settle there's also an emphasis in many traditions that that means we can help others more and there is this aspect of like developing gentleness towards ourselves but then extending into being compassionate more compassionate yes. to try and be more of help in the world rather than to add to things that fuel division aggression all these things but the thing i really want to find she says the present moment is the generative fire of our meditation it is what propels us towards transformation mm. in other words the present moment is the fuel for your personal journey so coming back to connect with it you know different people may experience different things um 
and it's a very personal journey as she says but the present moment is the fuel of that yeah yes. yeah i think that links in just to why um i think it's important for people to practice meditation and mindfulness is that um it's like a transformation process that you're going through and also it's, it's about knowing your mind and um um yeah and, and just sort of observing feelings and, and thoughts instead of being attached to them and instead of identifying with them as well it's um yeah there's so many benefits <laughs> I, yeah. I really encourage us to practice so. yeah i think this is true the benefits are real and it would be you know um but at the same time sometimes i feel that a lot of things in the world that we're in like to try and sell themselves as being some kind of quick fix that somehow there's something wrong with us you need this if you just do this these things then you'll be okay and it's easy to make a lot of money out of that and the system you know including spirituality it gets sold as a kind of a product as a magic makeover and i think that there are benefits but i think that sometimes the idea you know, Pema Chodron says, we don't come to meditation to feel better. Meditation isn't about making ourselves feel better. And she says, you know, it's quite a radical thing to say, perhaps. It's about being able to be more present with whatever's happening. And there may be some, these benefits of feeling less stressed about what's happening, feeling less tense, but it's not like a kind of a, it's not like we're playing a trick on ourselves it's not like an instagram filter you know it doesn't suddenly make life look like pizzazz it's it's actually seeing it completely no filter actually that's maybe one way of putting it um so it's not you know um it's not a quick fix and i think if you know particularly with the emphasis on on mental health and you know the student mind i would say that you know it can be really helpful but when people are experiencing, you know, powerful mental health difficulties and anxieties, I also would always encourage people to seek other forms of therapy, therapeutic and other kinds of support in those situations. Um, it's not the kind of one, one, it is one size fits all meditation, but it's also not there to fix everything. Mm. Um, so it can become something supportive. And actually, when meditating, we might notice, actually, something like this, I'm going to actually reach out and connect with someone about this. So it can help us. Um, but it also, it's also good to look at other ways of supporting our mental health and well-being. Mm. Hmm. Um, I know you're a bit pushed for time. Um, would you like to say anything else about it? Or would you? <laughs> I'd like to say... Mm. well i'm not so pushed push for time that's the other <laughs> thing it can, no 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 it's a, it's actually an interesting topic because um i used to feel a lot more busy and i was always thinking about what's the next thing and meditation helps me feel like no here's this thing mm. but then there's also realities in life when we have to do stuff so um i'd say that i'd really welcome anyone to sign up for the sessions mm. If they would like to come and learn um, and if you've tried it before and what you found was 
um, my mind was just so busy, I barely connected with the breath at all. And you were learning to meditate and you thought that meant you were doing it wrong. Please let go of that. You're not doing it wrong. And that's many people's experience. It's actually the beginning of a mindfulness practice. So uh, don't write yourself off as not being able to meditate. And I think mm -hmm. some people get this feeling that, oh, I can't do it. I'm supposed to suddenly be all blissful and like a smiling, happy person sitting on a beach, which is what the advertising often shows. I like advertising that we used to use a post which just had a tree growing out the side of a mountain on its own and the bare rock, you know. Sometimes life isn't being looking really well photoshopped. Um, mm. So, yeah. yeah it takes just some patience. Yeah, it does. And it's, yeah. You don't have to worry about being perfect or reaching a goal. Just try it, I think. Definitely, because then you just set yourself up to fail because you're measuring yourself against some ideal version of yourself and you're saying I'm not good enough I need to get there meditation techniques and many spiritual traditions are saying you're already good you just need to relax into what's already there you don't need to become someone else and um, you don't have to kind of change your personality um, and I think that's that's a very important thing for me <laughs> feels like a natural ending point maybe yes um thank you so much david you, you explained it so well so beautifully put and um yeah thank you so much for your time um, my pleasure i'd just like to say you know a lot of that is stuff that i've heard from teachers and you know there's this sense you know i'm a beginner we're all beginners in in many senses and um there are many sources out there as well yeah. also my colleague yusuf kaplan who's the interfaith advisor um, he offers sessions practicing everyday awareness and mindfulness techniques as well. So we, we kind of share a passion for this and um, yeah, uh, hope to meet some people, um, you know, as this strange year rolls on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, bye, bye then. Take care. Bye. Bye.